you can't clean mould. If it's in your roof, you have to rip it out and replace it and look for the leak. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, renovators. I'm just making it in by the skin of my teeth with this podcast episode. I just got back from our Wonder Women retreat in the Hunter Valley and still buzzing because we just had such an amazing time. There's nothing like spending you know, a few days with creative women, you come out with your head spinning. And that's exactly how I feel. There's just so much going on at the moment. We're having an exciting time. And I am just at the moment working on my second really exciting deal for the month. Yes, a couple of very interesting deals to share with you, but I'll just wait until I've got them completely over the line. And slightly left field. So, yes, Ali Jurek, I am teasing, but all will become clear soon. So, today we're revisiting the topic of mould. And the reason being is I've already touched on this once with a guest earlier, but I feel that knowing what I know as a result of one of our students' experiences, I think it's important to give this topic a little bit more time. So what I have done is I've invited my student, Tanya, in to share her experience with mould. And then at the end of the episode, I'll just give you some facts based on some research I've done, just to give you a few dot points so that you can have a little action plan for when you come across mould in your projects. This episode is sponsored by our entry-level training, How to Replace Your Income with Renovating. You can join this free limited time webinar now and get the bonus three-step checklist and renovation success guide. This training is for you if your mission is to become a pro renovator, to replace a dull day job, to retire or downsize profitably, pay off your mortgage and to help those you care about, and most importantly, to have more fun and more money in your life. Learn the three simple steps I used to fulfill my passion for renovating and make $102,045 in my most recent six-week renovation. Even while running a demanding business, studying accounting, juggling life and an aging parent. So if you would like to join this training, head over to www.theschoolofrenovating.com dot com forward slash the leap. Okay, so let's get into this episode. And so welcome Tanya. Thank you. Tanya Martin is a long-standing member of the School of Renovating and a Wonder Woman. She has been stalled by an incident that happened with her family home that created such an epic mold problem that it has permanently impacted her health and the building had to be demolished. 
So she's had a pretty terrible time with it. And I thought, what better person to have to, to fill us in on the details than someone who has actually experienced it? Because you get super duper interested once you are suffering the impact. So that's what we're going to be covering today. Do you want to just start by just telling us a little bit about how you came to know so much about mould, what your experience was and how you've come to learn all this? Ah, that's a bit of a long story. Now, I can't actually name names with companies, but in 2015 in the superstorms here in Maitland, we had three days of 60 centimetre rain a day, if anyone recalls. Uh, I live on a hill and thought I was fine helping other people. As it turned out, water had gotten high enough around the house that it leaked in through the weep holes under the house and we're on reactive clays. So it sat under the house in a giant pool. I found out we went on a holiday a month or two later and locked the house up for a week, came home from the holiday and our house was covered in mold. Everything. I got on the yellow pages trying to find someone to help me clean it. Luckily enough, got hold of one of two experts in Australia on mould. That's Vince Neal at Microtox. Um, he came and said, you've got to get out of here. This is dangerous. Um, being a single mum with two special needs kids, I didn't have that ability. I was paying the mortgage. Yeah. Uh, so we made the insurance claim and proceeded for the next five years to battle that insurance company to prove that it was the superstorm and because they don't cover mould and it went to the ombudsman who determined in my favour that was with a panel which is quite unusual it was the first successful hearing against an insurance company because the mould was caused by the storm so be very aware if you need to claim that if it's caused by an insurable Incident. event mm. you can claim it but it's taken us five years. Yeah, you've certainly done the hard yard. So what's been the impact? So let's talk about your home first and then mm -hmm. talk about the health impacts. Okay, yep. Everything, all the contents were covered in a light blue mould, which wasn't visible until you, if you get a camera and put it on a 45 degree angle with a flash, it will fluoresce. So that light blue mould is dangerous. You're probably picturing black mould on walls and ceilings. There wasn't any. It was inside the walls. And under the house, what had happened is the water that sat under the house condensed up into the floorboards. You, you couldn't see the mould clearly? No. no. I could see it like it was on my leather shoes and, and leather things was obvious mould. Once he showed me how to see that, that light blue mould, it was pretty much on everything. And anywhere there was dead space, like behind the headboard of my bed, was mouldy. Behind the, anywhere that air doesn't circulate, because that's, it loves that environment. Um, but the water soaking up into the floor, it's not floorboards, it's... Um, Are they yellow tongue? Is it yes, like yes. chipboard? Yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine how long that sat there for that to become saturated, which then wicked up the plasterboard walls. And plasterboard is the worst thing you can build in your house because it's actually food for mould. It wicks moisture, it holds moisture, and, and it actually provides a moist, safe environment inside those walls for mould to grow. And you don't know about it. And I was lucky enough, oddly enough, to know 
what had caused my illness, but a lot of people are living in moldy homes, getting these symptoms and thinking they're going crazy because they can't see them or they don't know. And they go on this circuit of specialists saying there's nothing wrong with you because no one in Australia knows how to test for it. Yeah, I'm so perfectly I'm healthy on a normal blood test. I, yeah, I first became aware of it. I, I listened to the Bulletproof podcast. Yes, and yes, Dave Asprey. I know you and I have spoken about him before. Yes. And he was the one that first made me aware because I think his health was impacted by mould. Big time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he talks about upgrading, which I think is a term used for demoulding, coffee beans and stuff like that. Do you have to go to those extent, that yes. extent? Yes. Okay. I can't eat corn. I shouldn't eat corn because corn is always mouldy. Because it, it's grown in those leaves, there's always mould in it. Um, the whole process of, of processing coffee creates mould. Peanuts grow under the ground and get mould in the shell. Wow. It's wow. enough when you're vulnerable to set you off. Yeah. I guess I want to make the point that we're not talking from a medical point of view. We're, we're really talking about your experience. Yes, yes. And so you're going to share some links that we can put in the show notes for anyone that wants to, to learn more yes. from the sources that you've located. So what's your understanding of the health impact of, uh, firstly, your understanding and then your experience, I think would be really good. The health mm. impact of um, living with mold and that is it worse depending on how much mold there is it depends on your own your own personal vulnerability to susceptibility okay. a third of the population lack the genetic keys that recognize mycotoxins which are the toxins released by mold mm. that don't recognize those as a toxin so two-thirds of the population will take that in the body goes that's a toxin and excrete it for me it goes round and round my system, inflaming everything. The whole your whole body gets inflamed. Okay. So imagine an entire inflamed body. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. depending, like I was exposed when I grew up, my house was moldy when I was a child, and as my doctor said, my bucket was already half full. Okay. My children aren't showing symptoms now, but their bucket is now half full because they lived in the house for two years as well. We were sleeping in the lounge room on blow-up beds in one room. George was doing a HSC. Max is um, autistic, so, the whole, oh, God, it was a nightmare. I don't know how I did it. But I was lying sleeping like a foot off the floor, which was the most contaminated place we later realised. Mm -hmm. So I haven't worked since. I haven't been able to work since. Okay. Yeah. And what sort of symptoms does it produce? Like I get what inflammation, what sort of symptoms does it produce? Does it make you feel nauseous or? Any of the textbooks will just tell you bronchial issues. Tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Absolute tip of the iceberg. I personally have friends who have used me as a canary when they're buying houses. My throat will immediately go like I'm getting the flu. It'll get raspy and sore. I'll get a headache. And does it make you cough? Hmm. No. I will get the enlarged and the sore throat. And it's, yeah, I can't go in there. I also get that with chemicals too in new shopping centres and stuff like that, okay. chemical sensitivities. The list, I've got a three-page document with the symptoms, and this is why a lot of people don't um, get diagnosed because they're subtle things like getting electric shocks all the time. Because your electric electrolyte, shocks? Because your electrolytes are thrown out. Oh, really? Yes. It's all these. I've got a, a biotoxin pathway I'll share because it shows how it causes these things. My hair stopped growing 
eyebrows, legs wasn't a problem, but the eyebrows. And the oh, yeah, that'd was, be right, wouldn't it? My cordate, my brain shrunken. Really? I'm running for someone I've known for 40 years and forget their name. I forget how to cook something. I, I, I'm getting much better now. My liver's overload my adrenals are shot my thyroid's not functioning my gut is com a complete mess I've got estrogen dominance and I've been in menopause for five years wow so I so get it, breast it, lumps all the time and that can lead to cancer with estrogen dominance okay I've got all this fat because the, the toxins are stored in fat so when the kidney gets overloaded this is my understanding of the the talk it's it pushes it away from the organs in fat around the belly but the body won't burn it because it's toxic my authority as i mentioned is dave Asprey, and he talks yep. about a brain fog yes yeah. it's really difficult because I, I mean i have add so i've got my brain's going all the time i'm moving all the time i need to be doing all the time and for two years i walked from my bed to the lounge and the lounge to the bed that's all i could manage the chronic fatigue was horrific and my, but my mm. brain still wanted to go yeah so depression anxiety I went to all these specialists they couldn't tell me because they're not looking at the right things yeah we and so that's very new science here the damage that the mold causes mm. is that curable yes some people stay in wheelchairs for their life some people die there are young people we have a face group support page in Australia that's known internationally because it's got such good support and there are young people who have killed themselves because people oh. don't believe their parents don't believe my family doesn't believe oh it's just mold clean it it's just mold it won't hurt you and oh. when you're a young person and you literally fall apart your world you can't function and people just think you're putting it on or making it up especially if you're going to doctors who are saying there's nothing wrong with you they end up getting sent to psychiatrists because people think they're mad oh that's really sad if you do the right things, get out of the mouldy environment and do the right things. Yes. And look after yourself. But the right things are terrifying. The oh, right they... things are leave everything you own behind. Okay, because that's got all the mould in it and you can't remove it. Glass and steel are the only things that can be effectively cleaned. Anything that's porous gets the, the hyphae, which are the, the yeah. roots and stuff in. It can be activated a thousand years later with moisture. It cannot be, you can't clean mould. If it's in your roof, you have to rip it out and replace it and look for the leak. If you've got mould on a wall or something, go for that leak. There is water there somewhere. So are all moulds the same? No. Okay, so no. what's the difference? They're plants. So think about how many different forms of plants there are. Okay, do they have, so obviously they have different impacts? Yes, aspergillus, the black mould, nasty. That'll kill you. That will kill you. Some people have such a reaction to it. Some people can on one exposure be absolutely flawed. Vince told me about a young guy. He was 16 or 17 labouring for a guy, cash, pulling apart an old kitchen that had um, old lino, all mouldy underneath with the newspapers and stuff. And he was no PPE, you know, all that, mm. just ripping it up, chucking it out. He went home and he didn't get out of bed for a year. Really? Yeah. It's Probably. devastating. It, the amount of experts who came to me and from the insurance company and said, it's just mould, just clean it. And he just look at it, nothing. And these hygienists who come and go, just bleach it. And I said, well, bleach doesn't kill mould. It just no, bleaches it, it. And the toxins it gives off, because if you try to kill a plant, 
it releases seed. If you try to kill mold, it releases mycotoxins. So when you clean it with bleach, you are inhaling a cloud of toxins. So it's probably not the bleach making you sick when you're cleaning your bathroom. I know that the building industry is aware of it because I know, like Stephen is like mold, he's fully well aware that mold is a problem and if mm. they come across mold, it needs to yeah. be dealt with properly, professionally. And but David said at the conference, I was talking to him and he said that he'd been to like five different seminars on mold. So okay. it's at the top, it's just how long does it take to filter take down to filter into down regulations? Into every day, yeah. So he did say that, that they've changed the regs with bathrooms now have to be ventilated to the external. Okay. We're the only country in the world that allows us to ventilate moist air into our roof cavity. That is insane. I don't get a plumbed refrigerator ever. Really? So oh, you're talking about the refrigerators with milk, uh, with water, iced water and yes. ice makers? Notorious for leaking anything with that flexible hosing breaks down. Well, Stephen will be very happy because mm. we have a we have a zip coil <laughs> with chilled water. And I said to him, when we redo our kitchen, which is happening soon, mm. I want a fridge with an ice maker. And he yep. said, I don't think we need it. So he'll be very happy to find there's some oh. The insurance company wanted to remediate my house initially, but it got to the point where they were having to replace the baseboards. So they were going to have to jack up individual panels of wall, pull the baseboard out, replace the baseboard. It got to the point where it was actually cheaper to knock it down and rebuild it. And to rebuild it with the with because now I'm chemically sensitive, it was 1.15 million, the quote that came back. And so in terms of getting quotes for that, <laughs> what impact did that mould have on the dem demolition of the house? $60,000. Extra. That was, yeah, that's what it cost. That was triple the average amount. Okay. okay. And all these cowboys who said, oh, we can do that, blah, 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 had no idea, basically, when it came down to it. What special precautions did they have to take when they were demolishing the house? Full PPE, seal everything off water spray to keep the dust down because mold spores are in dust okay yep so if you've got mold dust you can't have dust i've got add i'm not a housekeeper this is killing me <laughs> but they had to keep the dust down i've got neighbors i don't want that blowing across them and so everything what do they do with the material everything had to be double bagged and taken to the dump as contaminated waste so. okay oh okay okay and did they have to excavate down 10 centimeters okay. around on the footprint of the house, because the water had sat there so long, there was actually legionnaires in the water under the house. Lovely little cocktail, Tanya. It was delightful, I yes. I don't know why you didn't want to stay there. <laughs> well, um, I, Can you just tell me, like, if it was on a hill, yes. what, how did it flood? Let's talk about building rigs. Okay. Yeah, let's. Bricks to the ground with weep holes, standard height, but because they excluded water from the floor underneath the house was flat. There was no drainage. Oh, okay. And I'm on reactive clay. So once they were saturated, that water was going nowhere. Okay. Yes. If a renovator finds mould, like yes. I've seen black mould on a bathroom ceiling. Yes. So the ceiling has to be dropped. Gone. Yes. Okay. And look for the leak. Okay. It's not coming from nowhere. There's a leak somewhere. But yes, water is the a, a home's 
biggest enemy. Mm. Like it causes the foundations to sink if it's lying around the footings and rusts out the downpipes and the roof. And if it's bad enough, uh, we're talking rafters, we're talking hard, the frame coming out. It's not just linings. That frame, that yeah. if it's a metal frame, you can clean it, but that was my problem, the timber frame. It's porous. Yeah, yeah. Clean it. Plenty of rental properties have mould in them and that's going, I think that's a little problem that might be brewing as well. There's actually been a parliamentary inquiry because Lucy Wicks, who is a politician on the Central Coast, got SIRS from the 2015 storms and pushed and they had a, an inquiry. Yeah. And they've had results for rentals. And Victoria have passed it where it's illegal now to paint over mould, just to paint over it and get someone else in. If, if it's been reported to you, you've got to fix it and you can't fix it and kick someone out. No. <laughs> it's all mould, out you go, paint it, next person in. They're actually starting to put that into the regs and people are starting to claim against it because particularly in places like oh, up north is just a nightmare. I could never go to Bali because it's just mould everywhere. Actually, we lived for two years in Darwin and all our shoes used to go mouldy. We used to always have these things, dehumidifiers in our wardrobes and so on. Between 30 and 60 degrees relative humidity is ideal. I run two dehumidifiers 24-7 and I've got a giant air filter. Wow. My power bill is horrific. <laughs> but it's a way of managing. This is an old building and it's a rental it's a way of me managing internal humidity. Let's move on to the happy ending. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about your new house. Joe Vidillo, God bless her soul, has been holding my hand through this and I'm building a dual key property on the place. It'll be worth about a million dollars when I'm finished. Awesome. And so then you will have an income and a home. Yes, a healthy Smart. home that will be wonderful. Yes. And so how many bedrooms is it? And do your kids still live with you? They do. Two, three-bedroom units with two bedrooms each. All good-sized rooms because it's, it's, it's an 800-square-metre block on a corner. So it's perfect. It's the last block in the suburb. That's so amazing. And it, it's so smart to produce an income out of your investment as well as yes. a family home. Yes. And I'm in a good area so I can get optimum Great. return rentals here. So, Great. yeah. Yeah, That's so really... it has worked out well. The challenge has been finding materials that won't make me sick. So I have to get special flooring, which is timber that's specially heat treated. And apparently, I don't know the science, it is science, but it, it actually filters air. You don't need to finish it, but it's waterproof. Okay. So it's a timber flooring put in the bathrooms, but there's, yeah, it doesn't off gas. It actually does the reverse. No, but magnesium oxide boards instead of, Chiprock, I have to put a ducted air system in with the giant filter in it. So there's a HEPA filter, carbon filter, and those, yeah, that's not cheap. No carpet, anything that holds dust or possible moisture. I've been recommended to have copper piping all the way through it. So there's no chance of, or that minimizes the leakage yeah. possibilities, but it's endless. You could go on and on. You start talking about design. They're saying a lot of these new places, these homes are moldy before people move in because the roofs are just built to such a way that the condensation hits, it runs. They're not ventilated. You need ventilation. I think you deserve to have a really good life. And it sounds like that you're back on track and you're onwards and upwards. And I can't wait to see your new home. 
And of course, when it's finished, I'll be taking a visit. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you would like to send me the links that you have for anyone yes. else that's interested in knowing the impact of mold. And I think it's a really timely reminder for renovators because we do come across it quite a lot and we've got to get the impact of what of, that it has on the inhabitants of the home. Yes. And so make sure that we we're factoring that into our due diligence so that we oh. we're not taking on sort of death traps for want of a better word. And legislation could change Yes. Who knows when, where you could be caught out with builder's yeah. warranty and with children, particularly behavioural issues. Yeah, uh, that Is does that not surprise me. Yeah. On that note, thanks for coming and you'll send the link through and I will look forward to seeing you next week. As promised, I want to just give you some quick points on mould and your responsibilities. So, Firstly, mould comes in lots of colours, commonly black, blue, grey, red, yellow, orange. And the colour depends on a few things and doesn't necessarily reflect its level of toxicity. Factors that affect the mould's colour are its food source, the humidity level and its light exposure. Now, black mould typically is believed to be quite toxic, but not all black moulds are toxic. And I guess the smart way to deal with this is assume it is until you know otherwise. Of course, we're all really familiar with the blue mould in blue vein cheese, my absolute favourite. Obviously, that's not toxic because we eat it. I My understanding is that some of the blue and grey moulds can be very harmful. And the only way to really know if a, a mould is toxic is to have it tested. Now, the thing is with mould that we have mould and its spores in our environment all the time, okay? And it becomes a problem in two situations. Firstly, if it um, grows in number, so it grows unchecked and you get a lot of mould. Or the second reason is if the inhabitants of the home are particularly sensitive and there are lots of reasons for that. In either of those scenarios, it can cause uh, really dreadful health consequences so one in four people have mould sensitisation, which basically means it makes them sick. And the mould gives off mycotoxins that cause respiratory problems such as asthma, bronchitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, brain fog, and a multitude of specific and non-specific symptoms. So often people with this disease caused by mould have a lot of really strange symptoms but can't really pinpoint it and it's hard to diagnose. Now, it's really important that renovators be aware of the impact of mould and stay up to date with our responsibilities, both as renovators and landlords. It's also important that we monitor the development of legislation um, relating to mould because I think that is a given that it is going to become more detailed and so you want to make sure that you are being responsible in how you are managing your buildings. 
Now, I'm going to put some links in the show notes because I really think that it is best that you read up on your own estate. But basically, in short, landlords are required to provide habitable premises and take proactive measures to prevent mould. This means preventing moisture buildup through rising damp, trap moisture by installing passive and mechanical ventilation and fixing and sealing leaky roofs, gutters, pipes, windows to prevent water penetration. If mould is present at a time, any time during a tenancy, it's a landlord's legal obligation to treat the mould and its cause. Tenants also have an obligation to keep the premises ventilated by opening windows and doors and to report mould and dampness to the landlord. So it's one thing to make sure that the home has good ventilation, but if you're a tenant and you are locking up all the windows and doors and hanging your wet washing inside and creating a mould problem, then you run the risk of being the person responsible for fixing it. So if the mould is severe, the tenant may immediately terminate the lease without paying a break fee and be reimbursed for moving out expenses. If the mould is severe, the tenant may be entitled to claim the cost of decontamination of personal possessions and compensation for damage to clothing and goods. Landlords should replace carpet, which soaks up water and is prone to mould. with timber floors, vinyl floor coverings or tiles when renovating. Where the premises are a townhouse or a home unit and water is entering from outside, the owner's corporation should be notified and requested to fix the water entry. These are recommendations made on a website called Real Estate Excellence, talking about tenants' and landlords' responsibilities regarding mould. And in it, it states four separate case studies regarding tenants making claims because a property was affected by mould. And I would suggest that if you are a landlord, that you follow the link in our show notes and go and read that page in its entirety. Now, if you um, do have mould and you would like it like to get it tested, you can do that. You can just Google mould test kits online because there are quite a few organisations that supply them. They're not that cheap. They're around about two to $300 to test a couple of rooms. But I personally think it's your responsibility to do that if you own the property and you're suspecting that it has toxic mould. And once you get it tested, then you'll know what you're dealing with. I do really think it all boils down to common sense. If you've got water lying around, we all know that water is your building's biggest enemy. So if you've got water lying around, it's going to create a problem. If you've got mould marching up the walls, you've got to fix it. It's just, as I said, common sense, which apparently is not that common. Just remember that particularly in plasterboard, it may require you to replace the plasterboard. That would be preferable to making someone very sick because you were trying to save a few dollars on the repair or the remediation. Our little mantra is renovate like nobody's watching. And it may affect your bottom line, but seriously, I think if you are, you know, of this of a similar mindset as Wonder Women, 
then your top priority would always be the care and welfare of the people that you impact. Now, we're just about to the end of this podcast and I don't want you to be left with unanswered questions. So what I want you to do is to come over to our completely free She Renovates Facebook group. Uh, We're 1,000 members strong of savvy women renovating their little hearts out and join if you're not already a member and then ask, comment or whatever you want to do. And finally, I have a personal message for Liz Gordon. I saw her renovation. She's a listener of the podcast. I saw her renovation on the weekend and she told me that she's been meaning to leave a review for some time. So Liz, this is your cue. Please go off and leave me a review. And for anyone else who hasn't done so yet, we would love to hear what you think of the podcast. If you've got a topic you want us to cover, please mention that. I will do my best to answer your questions. Now, next week, I will be back with the last installment of our kitchen series. And so until then, have a great week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.